Well, good morning. If you would open your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 6. The Lord willing, we'll finish our study in the book of Ephesians this morning. And, um, I haven't received final word on this yet, but I believe uh, we'll begin a study in the, the Gospel of Mark next Sunday. Before we begin, let's look to our Lord in prayer. Our Father, we come before you this morning thankful, thankful that you've given us another opportunity to come together and worship your matchless name. Father, we're thankful for the gospel that you've given us to preach and to believe, the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray you would, by the power of your spirit, cause that gospel to run well this morning, to glorify your Son magnify him as as high as the human tongue can magnify him and father that by the power of your spirit you give us faith to believe to see and have your son revealed to our hearts this morning father we're thankful for a place that you've given us that we can meet together in peace and unity and father i pray that you would protect this place that you give us the the wisdom and the heart to protect the unity here, that the unity of, of worship, the unity of purpose, that Christ be glorified, that this be a place where sinners can come and hear the Savior, where your sheep can come and be fed in the green pastures of your word. Father, we pray you'd bless the gospel that's preached here, that you'd use it to call out your sheep, that you would use it to continue to feed and edify and comfort the hearts of your sheep as we travel through this world below. Father, what we pray for ourselves, we pray for your people wherever they meet. Father, bless your word. Bless your people for your great namesake. Father, we pray you do this that your name be glorified. And Father, we dare not forget to pray for those that you've brought into the valley of trial and trouble. Father, we pray you'd be with them. We pray that you'd comfort their hearts with your presence. And Father, we pray you'd deliver them as soon as it could be thy will. All these things we ask, and we give thanks in that name which is above every name, the name of Christ our Savior. Amen. Now last week, you may recall, we looked at the armor of God, and prayer is a very important part of the armor of God, but I did not have time, I felt like, to do the subject justice last week, so I want to look at that this morning, a lesson on prayer. Now that, a lesson on prayer is very applicable to believers, isn't it? Because every believer prays. You know, there's a, a song I heard once about believers ought to pray. Believers do pray. Believers do pray. But we do often find it difficult to pray, don't we? We feel like we're not doing it right. We feel like that uh, maybe we're not praying for the right things with the right attitude. Prayer can be hard for that reason. But the Apostle Paul gives us some very good instruction on on prayer this morning, part of the armor of God's people. You know, don't ever leave prayer off. You know, if you leave if you leave prayer off out of this armor, you're going to be woefully unprotected. Your armor won't be complete. So Paul begins in verse 18. He says, "Praying always with prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance." and supplication for all saints. Here's the first thing 
I see in this verse about prayer. When should we pray? When? Paul says always. Always. Remember in Luke 18, our Lord spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray. Always. And not to faint. They ought always to pray and not quit. And notice this. I never have seen this before until I was looking at this the other day. The Lord said men ought always to pray. He didn't say believers. He didn't say sheep. All men. All creatures of the dust. We ought to be praying, shouldn't we? We ought to be praying about all things all the time. When Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, chapter 4, verse 6, he said, be careful for nothing, but in everything, in everything, at all times, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known unto God. You know, whatever it is that's on your heart, don't think, oh, that's a dumb thing, that's a foolish thing, that's such a small thing. Whatever it is that's on your heart, pray about it. When you think about God's blessings to you, pray and give thanks. When you think about how great our God is, praise his name, pray and praise him. When you're in a time of trouble, and you're hurting, you need to, to be delivered, you need help, pray for grace sufficient for the trial. Pray that the Lord will deliver you. You know, he's the one that sent it, didn't he? We didn't get some trial coming, you know, and the Lord couldn't stop it. He's the one that sent it. Well, he's the one that can deliver you, isn't he? Pray and ask him. He's the one that can give you grace sufficient to help us. Ask him, pray. Paul said in Romans 12, verse 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing, continuing instant in prayer. He wrote to the church at Thessalonica, he said, pray without ceasing. This is just all through scripture, isn't it? When should we pray? Always. In every up and every down. In every in and every out. Don't ever stop praying. You know, if you're a believer, you're a child of God. You think about it. Almighty God has made you his child. Now I'll tell you when children get in trouble, when they quit talking to their parents. Prayer is talking to our Heavenly Father. So pray always. That's when we should pray. And the second thing I see here is what should the content of our prayers be? Well, Paul says prayer and supplication. That word prayer means prayer to God. It's talking to God. Here's where thanksgiving and praise comes in. Prayer to God. We never run out of reasons to say thank you to God, do we? Never. Oh, how he's blessed us. I just, physically how he's blessed us, materially, spiritually, how he's, he's given us everything. We never run out of reasons to say thank you. Every prayer should include thanksgiving. And we never run out of reasons to praise God for who he is. His greatness is unsearchable. His glory is past finding out. We never run out of reasons to, to praise our God for what he's done. Because everything, everything he does is perfect. Whether we understand it or not, it's perfect. So we never run out of reasons to praise. All of our prayers should include praise. There's no one else like our God. But Paul also says our prayer should include supplication. And that word means our need. 
It's our lack, our want. It means begging. Now, we can have prayers without supplication, and we probably should more often than we do have prayers without asking, asking for stuff. But we don't do that very often, do we? You know why? Because we're poor and needy. We seldom have prayer without asking the Lord for something because we need so much. We need the Lord to do everything for us. We need the Lord to supply everything for us. That's the very reason our Lord taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. You know, in the prayer, the disciples' prayer that the Lord taught them, he taught them to us, he taught us, not them, he taught us to pray for our daily physical needs and he taught us to pray that Lord forgive our sin. He, he, you don't have to feel bad when in, when in prayer and thinking, oh, I'm not very spiritual because I'm, I'm making supplication. The Lord taught us to pray that way. We need daily forgiving, don't we? We need forgiving every minute, every second. We need forgiveness. We can't supply anything for ourselves. We need the Lord to supply for us. You know, the fact of the matter is, this flesh needs provisions to live. I mean, it just does. Don't be afraid to ask God for it. He's the one that owns it all. belongs to him. Ask him to supply you know, what you need. I mean, th- just think about the very basic needs that we have. We need food. The cattle on a thousand hills are his. Well, ask him for it. Pray and ask him for it. If the Lord feeds the crows, I'm pretty sure he'll feed you too. We need clothing. Well, the Lord's the one to close, close the lilies. Ask him to clothe you too. And I know this. I know that we don't want, we want to be careful not to ask for too much. We don't want our prayers just to, to always be asking for stuff. We don't want to, to spend our time in prayer that we ask for so much stuff. We spend so much time asking for stuff. We don't have time to, to thank the Lord for what he has given us. But remember this too. When we pray and we bring our needs before the Lord and we're begging him for it, you know what we're doing? We're honoring him. We're acknowledging we're nothing. We have nothing. We can't do anything. And we're acknowledging him. That he's the Lord. He's the one that can can supply for us. And Paul tells us, here's one thing for sure. We ought to be making supplication for it. We ought to be begging for this. This is out of our want, out of our need. We should be begging God to bless the preaching of the gospel. In verse 19, Paul says, when you're making supplication for all saints, he said, and for me, don't forget me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Now, Paul asked them, when you think about this is the apostle Paul, and he has to be the greatest preacher besides our Lord who ever lived. Wrote the lion's share of the New Testament. And he says, pray for me. Pray for me. That the Lord will enable me to preach the gospel. I mean, I just wonder how many times did Paul preach the gospel? And he never felt like he was sufficient to do it. He said, pray for me. Pray for me. So I feel like I'm in pretty good company when I often ask you all, to pray for me. Pray as I study. Pray for me as I as I preach because no man is sufficient for these things. Pray that the Lord be pleased to reveal his glory in our day 
I know we think about uh, oftentimes about past preachers and dead preachers and, you know, revivals that, that happened in the past, maybe that, that we've kind of been a part of or know people that have been a part of. We read about it in, in, in history and we long for those times. Oh, I'd like, well, you know what? Let's pray and ask the Lord. He'd be pleased to do that today. You know, I, I'm thankful that for, for the gospel being preached in the past, but that won't do us today. We need the Lord to bless his word today. Pray that the, that the, that the Lord give the, uh, the pastor a message from God's heart to your heart. You know, when you're in need, here's a good supplication to make. Lord, give the preacher a message that's an answer to my heart, that'll bless my heart, that'll feed my heart. Paul says, pray that the Lord gives me utterance. That means the words to say. Pray that the Lord give me the words to say. I believe Paul's talking there about that God will give me his message for this hour. I don't want to just have words to say that are true. Um, You know, I want to think, eh, I don't want to stay this week. I'm just going to go find an old message and I'm just going to, you know, re-preach that. Now, the words of that would be true. It would be the gospel. It would be true doctrine. But is it God's message for this hour? I want God's message for this hour. Janet tells me that's preacher talk. I don't know what you're talking about, but um, maybe this will help you. I could preach a message two, three years ago. Oh, it's a blessing. I mean, it was a blessing. I think, yeah, I'm just going to re-preach that. And I pull it out and look at it. I mean, there's nothing there. Nothing. Nothing. It's yesterday's manna. That was a message for that hour, not this hour. Pray that God would give me utterance. The words to say. The, the words of his message for, for this hour. And Paul says, pray that, that the Lord enables me to preach boldly. <laughs> now, boldly. It's not screaming and yelling. It's not bold, preaching boldly. It's not making these, you know, d- definitive statements. As, you know, I know this is true. And, and it, uh, especially, I, I, I hear men do this. They make a statement, I mean, boldly, just like, you know, there's no refuting this, except it's their idea. It's not something they read out of this book. <laughs> screaming and yelling and just, you know, being so cocksure. That, that's not bold. Preaching boldly, it means telling the truth. It means telling the truth. It means not holding back something that's true because it's going to offend somebody's flesh. You know, if we take the edges off of the gospel and we preach the gospel in such a way that it doesn't offend the flesh, it's not the gospel. Plain and simple. If we preach the gospel, the gospel will always offend the flesh. It will offend the the flesh of the oldest, strongest, most mature believer. The gospel will always offend the flesh. And if we take the offense of the gospel away, so that the flesh is not offended, we're not doing anybody any good. We're not doing the lost any good because we're not pointing them to Christ alone. We're not doing God's sheep any good because they're not going to be fed if, if if we're not telling them the truth. And Paul says, especially in his situation, 
He said, I'm an ambassador in bonds. I might could say some things to get out of these chains. I could tell a few lies. I could promise I won't preach this gospel anymore. I could compromise the gospel and get out of this prison. He said, pray for me that I don't do that. That no matter what the consequences, I tell the truth. That's preaching boldly. So let's pray that the Lord give the preacher a message from him. God's message for this hour. And the Lord will enable him to preach it clearly. And simply. In the power of the Spirit. That's the only way God's lambs are going to be fed. That's the only way they're going to be taught and edified and comforted. Now that's good supplication, isn't it? Asking the Lord to bless his word. All right, there's a third thing. How should we pray? How should we pray? What's in the spirit? Paul says make prayer and supplication in the spirit. You know, prayer is not just a a religious speech that we make. Prayer is not preaching. Prayer is talking to Almighty God. Prayer is talking to Almighty God. Now, for some of you that maybe don't don't pray publicly, you maybe you, you find it difficult to pray privately. You think, you know, am I doing this right? I don't feel like this is you know a good prayer. Try playing. Try uh, praying publicly. Try that on for size. It's difficult. It, it's very very difficult. You know why it's difficult? It's a man in the flesh talking to Almighty God whose spirit. Now the only way a sinner can talk to God is in the spirit. By the Holy Spirit of God. Now I'll show you that. Look back at Romans chapter 8. Again, this the Apostle Paul wrote this. And I have to, have to believe that the way he says this is something that he experienced too. It's so helpful. The Apostle Paul experienced some difficulty in prayer. I don't feel quite so bad when I do. Look at verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. You notice Paul didn't say helps your infirmities. He said help our, mine, mine too, our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself, now that word itself ought not be there. It's himself. The Spirit's not an it. The Spirit's a him, person. The Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now here's one reason that believers find it so difficult to pray. Paul says we don't know what we should pray for like we should. We don't know what we should be praying for. But as we pray, this is what Paul's saying here, the Holy Spirit moves the hearts of God's people to pray according to the will of God. See, the Holy Spirit knows what God's will is because he is God. It's his will. He knows what the what God's will is and he's the Spirit that dwells in the hearts of his people and he moves the hearts of God's people to pray according to the will of God. Now, the best way I can explain that is this. This is how the Lord's pleased to work. Now, we all know this. God has an eternal will and purpose. What God is doing now is exactly what he willed to do before he created anything. Every one of us knows that, right? God knows what he's going to do because he willed to do it. But God puts it in the hearts of his people to pray for what he's already willed to do. 
And when they pray for it, then God does it. That's how God works. And you'll say, do you have scripture for that, Frank? I do. Look, look with me to Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 36. Now, in the first part of uh, Ezekiel 36, the Lord's telling his prophet how he's going to deliver Israel from bondage. He's going to bring them back to Israel. And he says, I'm going to bless my people. I'm going to bless them so they don't have any more enemies. I'm going to bless them with, with food and flocks. I'm going to bless them with peace all around them. And even more, the Lord says, I'm going to forgive their sin. I'm going to wash them clean. I'm going to wash them from their iniquity. I'm going to put a new heart in them so that they don't worship idols anymore. God tells Ezekiel, now Ezekiel, that's what I'm going to do. Now look what he says in verse 37. Thus saith the Lord God, I will yet for this be inquired of by the house of Israel to do it for them. And I will increase them with men like a flock. You see what the Lord's saying here? I already know what I'm going to do. This is what I purpose to do. I'm telling you I'm going to do it. But before I do it, I'm going to put it in the hearts of my people to pray for it. I'm going to be inquired of it. They won't inquire it of it. They won't ask for this of their own free will. So I'm going to put it in their heart to pray for it. And when they pray for it, then I'll do it. Now, how does that apply to you and me today? Well, here's how we pray in the spirit today. If there's some matter that's on your heart, tell you what to do. Pray about it. If there's a matter that's on your heart, pray about it. It very well could be it's on your heart because the Holy Spirit put it on your heart. Just pray about it. Don't try to figure out when I is this the Lord's will. If it's on your heart, pray for it. Pray about it. You'll find out soon enough if it's the Lord's will or not. But as long as it's on your heart, pray about it. That's praying in the Spirit. All right, now fourthly, what's the manner of our prayers? Well, first, it's watching. Paul says in, in, in prayer and supplication of the Spirit, watching, watching thereunto. Now, what? When, when, when we pray, watch for the Lord to answer prayer. You and the Lord answers prayer. Now, he does. He just said, I'm going to put it in the hearts of my people. They're going to inquire for it, and then I'm going to do it. Cornelius, think about Cornelius. Finally, one day, the Apostle Peter shows up to that Gentile's house. He came there to preach Christ to him. You know why? It was an answer to Cornelius' prayer. He was praying, and the Lord sent him, sent him a preacher. Rebecca went a long time without any children. She one day gave birth to Jacob and Esau. You know why? Because scripture says Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife and the Lord was entreated. Now, the Lord always knew he was going to give her Jacob and Esau. He always knew this was going to be the picture of those two covenants. He always knew this was going to be a picture of his redeeming, electing love. But before he caused those boys to be born, he was entreated of. Their, their daddy prayed for him. That widow woman in the Lord's parable, she cried, didn't she? Would answer her prayer. Hannah. Oh, Hannah. Oh, how she wanted a child. She wanted a child more than anything. She finally gave birth to Samuel because an answer to prayer. For this child, I pray.
I'm telling you, the Lord's in the business of answering prayer. We should watch for him answering them, shouldn't we? Second, the manner of our prayer is persevering, persistent in prayer. Earlier I mentioned that um, the Lord taught us the parable that men are always to pray and not to faint. And he used the example of that widow woman. She kept crying and 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 crying to that unjust judge. And he finally gave her what she needed just so she'd shut up. Now, the Lord's not saying he's like that unjust judge. He's not saying that at all. He's not going to give his people something just, just, just to shut them up. But here's what he's saying. If the unjust judge will answer a persistent prayer, if an unjust judge will answer a prayer because somebody's persistent, persevering in prayer, just think what the Lord will do. <laughs> just think what he'll do. Remember this now. I told you this earlier. If you're a child, if you're a believer, you're a child of God. I like how long one your children have to cry for you give them what you help them. You're a child of God. Cry out to him. And don't quit. Jacob was persistent in prayer, wasn't he? He said, I will not let you go except you bless me. You can touch the hollow of my thigh and put my leg out of joint. I'm not letting go. Oh, I want that attitude. I'm not letting go of Christ. I'm not going to do it. I'll not let you go except you bless me. And Lord blessed him, didn't he? That's the manner of prayer is persistent. And third, the manner of our prayer should not be selfish. Let's make sure we always pray for others. Paul says with supplication for all saints. Now make supplication for yourself. But you make sure you make the same supplication for other believers too. Pray that the Lord will provide for his people. Pray that the Lord will save his people. Pray that the Lord will bless his people. Pray the Lord will keep them. Pray, pray the Lord will deliver them from trial. We've got brethren in other places. I mean, they're in deep, deep waters. Let's remember to pray for them. Pray that the Lord deliver them. I promise you this. The Lord will answer a prayer like that. Our intercession, our prayer for others. The apostle here told us to pray that way and he set the example. In uh, Philippians 1 verse 4, he said, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy. He said, it's a joy for me to make requests for you. I do it in all my prayers. Colossians 1 verse 3, he says, we give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. He says, I'm always praying for you. Let's make sure we pray for others. And then remember this. The gospel that's contained in this whole book of Ephesians, we spent some time going through it. And especially in, in this, this last couple chapters where it's talking about the, the believer's walk. Remember this. This is real teaching. It's real help. It's real salvation. It's real comfort. It's real instruction. It's real daily instruction for real people. For real people. This is not pie in the sky kind of kind of uh, 
teaching in doctrine that we think, well, it doesn't really, you know, apply to, to people like me. This is just kind of like, you know, the way it should be, but it really, you know, it really isn't this way, you know, in the world. This instruction was written to real people with real needs, really and truly pointing them to Christ. Look what Paul says in verse 21. But that ye also may know my affairs and how I do, Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known to you all things, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that ye might know our affairs and that he might comfort your hearts. Peace be to the brethren, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. These are real folks, real people living in the real world. Here they, here they were down there in Ephesus, and they wondered, how's Paul doing? I mean, this is awful for him. How, how's he doing that, down there in that prison? I, I mean, it, what's he doing? What? Paul's sitting in prison, thinking about those brethren down there in Ephesus. He, he wonders, how are they doing? God sent me there to establish that church to preach the gospel to them. We, we've ordained elders and, and, a, and a pastor and false teachers are just run around everywhere. Boy, especially now that they know I'm in prison, false teachers are going in everywhere trying to get everybody to look away from Christ, to, to, to combine grace and law. And he's just wondering, how are they? Are they compromising? Are they staying faithful? Are they preaching Christ? Are they looking to Christ? Whatever time maybe they met together on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, Paul's looking and said, well, they're, they're, they're starting to preach now. They're, they're gathering together to worship. It's the Lord blessing them. So he sent Tychicus to tell, he tell them how Paul's doing, what's going on. And he's going to come back and tell Paul how they're doing there in the church. These are real people. And Paul wrote this letter to real people with real instruction. To point us to Christ. And we're closing, you know, the, the epistle on, on prayer. What can be a, a, a more everyday instruction to real people than prayer? Talking to our Father. All right. Well, the Lord bless that too.